The first cut on this record has been cross-format focused for airplay success. The men beat on their drums. Hello and welcome to Politics Theory Other. My name is Alex Doherty and this week I'm joined again by David Broder to discuss the never-ending crisis of Italian politics. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes and Acast and you can also follow on Facebook and Twitter at Poll Theory Other. Apologies to listeners expecting an episode last week. Um, there were a couple of last-minute guest cancellations but to make up for it there will be two episodes this week. Later in the week, I'll be talking with Wendy Liu about Silicon Valley, the platform economy and the democratisation of technology. But first, here's an interview with David Broder on the crisis in Italy. I spoke to David in episode four, so do check it out for a more in-depth discussion of the political background. David is a historian of French and Italian communism, and he's currently writing a book on the crisis of Italian democracy in the post-Cold War era for Verso Books. Yeah, so David, I wasn't expecting to be talking to you quite so soon. (laughs) Uh, but here we are. Um, so on Monday, um, the Italian president, uh, Mattarella, rejected the Lega's choice for finance minister um, on the basis that uh, Paolo Savona is too Eurosceptic. That decision seems to have taken a lot of people by surprise. I mean, I, you know, when, when I sort of first uh, heard the news, um, my first thought was that, you know, even from the perspective of a centrist like Savona or, or the EU institutions, that it would make uh, much more sense to just allow the Labour and the Five Star to form some kind of government, hope that it wouldn't go well, and that this might allow for some sort of revival of the political centre. Even though that doesn't seem especially li- likely, but this, you know, does seem a very dangerous decision. Why do you think Mattarella made this decision, and to what extent do you think it was his own decision? You know, do you think it was pressure coming from the Italian state, or or, or even from the EU institutions, and so on? Well, I think. Everyone was kind of surprised when Mattarella did refuse uh, Savona uh, because the Lega and Five Star had taken a very intransigent position and it you know, effectively did mean uh, bringing down the government before it was formed. Um, I think there is a certain rational core to what he did, although it's certainly a big gamble, um, which is really that the Lega and Five Star... Uh, despite how they're often presented just as you know Eurosceptic parties, uh, they've never actually fleshed out a uh, or well they they recently they've sort of abandoned calls for Italy to leave the euro, uh, and in the election campaign neither ran on leaving the euro or indeed having a referendum, and the government contract they signed last Sunday um, didn't have any reference to to leaving the euro. Um, so the um, the selection of Savona was, I think, seen as uh, basically the selection of a, can- of a of a candidate for economy minister who might have used the role to prepare uh, the way for Italy's exit from the euro, and who would have taken choices not consistent with the uh, the budget deficit limits and such like uh, set by by the uh, ECB. 
Um, so really the logic of what Mattarella did is to try and force the Lega and Five Star Movement to openly campaign for Euro exit at an election uh, before they can appoint a minister uh, committed to that policy. So really the, the idea would be to uh, hold another election and try and make that, as it were, a kind of referendum on the euro in the sense that uh, Lega and Five Star would have to openly say, yes, we want to leave the euro if that's going to be, uh, if they're going to be sort of working towards that. Um, and certainly th- those parties do have contradictions over the euro. Um, for example, uh, the uh, while the Five Star movement particularly has sort of younger and relatively poorer voters who you might consider more Eurosceptic, uh, the Lega is actually more mixed uh, in its northern heartlands, uh, Veneto and Lombardy. It actually has a, a much wealthier uh, base of support and uh, some of elements of the party are actually quite uh, pro-European, at least in the sense of wanting to stay in the single currency. So I think uh, Mattarella's gamble is that he's going to be able to force some sort of s- split within those parties or, or at least expose their incoherence. Do you think that's plausible or, or do you think it's more likely that, you know, in fact, the, um, the Labour and the Five Star will be able to maintain an ambiguous position and present themselves as, as Democrats defending Italy from the interventions of, of people outside and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way the crisis has played out will indeed allow them to, to not take a firm position on the euro and make it a lot more about um, you know, the, the, the supposed kind of wronged uh, democratic vote to say that the will of the majority should be expressed uh, regardless of the interventions by foreign powers and uh, poteri forti, the uh, established powers that be within Italy. Um, and so like during the last week, um, the Lega refused to name any candidate apart from Savannah. Uh, there were suggestions that they could have had other people from within their own ranks who have a less uh, hardline position than Savona himself, for example, Giancarlo Giorgetti, uh, could have been economy minister instead. Uh, and I think there was, I mean, there was obviously a kind of brinkmanship from the Lager. I mean, they wanted the election. They're doing very well in the polls. They're swallowing up the right and even winning votes from Five Star. Um, I think it's a bit of a, uh, I think the Democrats certainly would like to force the Lager to come out in favour of quitting the euro uh, and to exploit the kind of fears of the uh, jump into the abyss. But I really don't think that the Lega are likely to be drawn onto that territory. It's much easier for them to maintain an ambiguous position or to demand partial reforms. Uh, when there was the negotiations for the coalition, uh, the uh, Lega and Five Star briefly discussed the idea of uh, demanding some sort of partial debt cancellation or, uh, or uh, exceeding the budget limits. Uh, set by the Eurozone. And I think those kind of policies are much more likely than an actual call to, to exit the Euro. I don't know if, if you if you feel the same way, but one thing I found striking about this is that the um, the centrists, you know, the, the Democrats and, and uh, other centrists and, and the EU institutions as well, they seem to have kind of substituted tactics for, for strategy. It doesn't feel like in the long term they have any particular plan. It just seems to be you know, kicking the can down the road. So yeah, maybe we can we can force some sort of split between the Lega and and the Five Star, but they seem to have no remedy for the you know the the sort of material factors which are pro- propelling the crisis. I suppose. 
No, well, in, indeed. I mean, the, the problem is that, I mean, Italy has almost 2.4 trillion euros public uh, debt, uh, has had uh, economic stagnation for almost 30 years, uh, while Italy has performed particularly badly since the 2008 crisis, and indeed hasn't uh, actually recovered to 2008 uh, GDP levels. Um, it's a, it's a, a long-term uh, crisis in Italian society, which the euro was heralded as something, you know, is going to resolve that, and uh, it hasn't worked. And the, uh, you know, the Italy has gone from being one of the most europhile countries to the third most eurosceptic country in the eurozone in just ten years. So uh, there's actually a fewer Italians. Thirty-nine percent of Italians think EU membership is a good thing, uh, as opposed to forty-seven percent in Britain in the same poll. And obviously, mm. we're already on the way out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the <clears throat> the centrists have just. I mean, what Mattarella did is indeed just kick the can down the road for a few months. It mightn't even be that long, actually, because it seems that the the, the technocratic government he was hoping to form isn't actually going to be able to uh, sustain itself. And it's possible that it, uh, uh, Cotterelli, who he, the ex-IMF chief, who he uh, appointed to form a new government, he might actually resign as soon as tomorrow. Uh, so I think it's very chaotic and uh, they don't really have much of a plan for what they're doing. I mean, Matteo Renzi's idea is to try and form a, a so-called Republican or Democratic front against the Labour and Five Star in the name of defending the Constitution and, and such like. But I, I really don't see the forces for that. Silvio Berlusconi uh, isn't going to join in there. And, uh, you know, these the centrist parties had 70% of the vote 10 years ago. Now they're polling below 30. So I, I really don't see what the the sort of centrist and establishment forces are really counting on. And I think the election is really the worst worst uh, tactic they could have gone for because they're sure to be uh, sure to be punished because the question they've posed is really who rules? And uh, the Lega have totally uh, turned them over. You know, Am I right in thinking that um, a majority of Italians disapprove of Mattarella's decision? Uh, yes. So there was, a, there was a poll which was that um, the division between uh, people who think it was outright uh, wrong and indeed unconstitutional was about 36%. Uh, if I remember correctly, 26% said it was constitutional, but it was an error. And only 24% said uh, he was right to take the decision he did. And I think that latter group would be very heavily concentrated among uh, the support of the Democratic Party. There have been attempts to, to create a kind of a grassroots uh, movement in support of Mattarella uh, with the slogan um, I'm standing with Mattarella so there was a demo of one and a half thousand people in Turin today and there's a lot of people tweeting that but um, I think uh, it's widely seen as a, a quite bizarre uh, decision and at best uh, a huge gamble. Do you think in a, in a sort of narrow sense putting aside you know his own sort of desire perhaps to um to block the Lega and the Five Star, that, that narrowly Mattarella had a point in that, um, you know, that they were proposing this this quite Eurosceptic uh, minister. Um, you know, do you give that any kind of uh, credence? Um, I, well, I, I think he has a point in the sense that um, it is indeed true that the Lega and Five Star don't have a mandate of any kind to leave the Euro and that uh, the, uh, and Savona himself has no particular democratic legitimacy. I mean, he's not an MP or anything. Uh, and indeed, it's, it, it is within the constitutional powers of the president to nominate the ministers. 
So I think it could be sort of fairly argued that the Lake and Five Star were trying to impose a figure with a policy uh, or who has spoken in favour of a policy quite different to the one they actually signed up to in their government contract. But I mean, I think there's two caveats on that, one of which is um, really Savonius was ruled out not because of the stated policy of the government, but just what he's kind of written in his books and in articles in the past and so on, uh, talking of a plan B for the euro. So I think it's quite a dangerous precedent if the uh, if the president of Italy, who of course is elected by MPs, not citizens, uh, is able to make decisions based on kind of uh, you know sort of reading his mind or or sort of suspecting him of not following the policy he says he's going to, uh, just because of articles he'd written in the past. Um, secondly, I think a, a problem is that without doubt, part of the the necessary planning for any government that that did indeed intend to leave the euro would be to 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 have some sort of like institutional preparations for leaving. Um, I mean, we particularly saw in the Greek example, of course, that Syriza essentially bound its hands to follow the course it did. You know, it didn't like set out plans for like parallel currencies or transition or anything. So when the negotiations reached their head, it really had no alternative to capitulation. Um, and so to say kind of it's illegitimate to uh, elect a, to, sorry, to nominate a, an economy minister who would make preparations for euro exit is a bit like saying no country could ever leave the euro on any basis. Um, of course, the other question related to that is whether the very fact of uh, nominating Savona could have provoked the crisis that would in turn pitch Italy out of the euro. Um, and although the you know there's been mass kind of bond sell-offs and so on while the government was fo- fo- uh, forming, and indeed even since the uh, the uh, rejection of Savona, um, I think it's plausible to say that that had Savona come to come into office it could indeed have sort of precipitated a, a crisis that that could have quite quickly sort of laid the political terrain for um Lager to start talking about euro exit what's your own view on italy's um membership of the the euro because I, I you know when i try and think about this I, you know i sort of find myself thinking well reforming the eurozone just seems sort of impossible any kind of exit might in the long term be beneficial, but it's hard to argue that it wouldn't be extremely disruptive and, and potentially uh, economically very damaging to ordinary Italians. And also it seems a very hard sell as well. And as we've seen with the Greek case, in spite of everything uh, Greece has endured under the EU institutions, you know, support for remaining in the Eurozone has, has always remained relatively robust. Yeah, hmm. what's what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the popular support for leaving is probably, well, it certainly is uh, higher in Italy than in Greece, uh, although it's uh, very concentrated uh, among young people, the, the sentiment in favour of leaving. Uh, I think the problem, is, as you say, is that effectively uh, Italy is unable to uh, deal with its public debt within the Eurozone. It's unable to find any way to cancel it. And I think it's unrealistic to think that the other Eurozone states will allow such a big, uh, such a big player in the eurozone to cancel its debt because, of course, if you set that precedent, then why not everyone else? And then the whole structure falls apart. Uh, it's often said that Italy is both kind of too big to fail, but also too big to save, uh, and that's precisely the problem uh, the eurozone finds itself in. 
Um, I mean, I think that Italy's membership of the Eurozone is unsustainable and that it will eventually leave, and indeed should, uh, but without doubt the the initial moment of rupture uh, could be extremely damaging, particularly in the sense that, of course, the other countries would be sure to ensure that it was kind of seen to uh, fail. Um, I think also there's a there's an element of, uh, obviously in all this, there's a certain rivalry between different sections of the uh, Italian ruling class, which are more or less sort of linked into sort of global finance as opposed to ones which are more uh, export oriented and uh, which would rather have a more sort of uh, not really autarkic but uh, 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 as an, an Italy which is more independent but probably less uh, less dynamic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be extremely difficult for Italy to leave, but at the same time. Uh, I also find that the the kind of arguments used in favour of it remaining tend to be based more on kind of uh, a sort of subaltern assumption that nothing can change at all, nothing can be done, and Italy is destined to become a kind of ward of the uh, European Union or international community. Um, I mean, what we've seen in the last 10 years is like it you know, it is unable to lift itself out of crisis and it's unable to cut the debt. So I think that's just uh, really unsustainable and it's not going to last and it is now indeed reaching uh, some sort of breaking point. Um, I think, though, the, the Lega and Five Star are both actually quite reluctant to leave the euro. Uh, they'd rather make some, uh, sort of try and push for some sort of intermediate steps while also uh, sort of ensuring their hegemony within the Italian political re- uh, arena. I mean, I think they're quite short-termist in that sense, whereas obviously the sort of recalibration of the economy outside the euro is a project that would actually take decades to uh, fulfil. Regarding the Lagos, so in, in, the, um, in the elections in March, obviously the Five Star emerged as the largest party. They got over 30%. The Lega, uh, I believe they moved from 4% to 17%. Yeah. But since then, you know, as you, as you say, the Lega have seemed to be on the march. They've been moving ahead in the polls. They've been polling significantly in parts of the South where they hadn't previously had significant support. And um, during the coalition negotiations, they also seem to be able to get the Five Star to subscribe to much of their own agenda as well. How is it that the Lega have seemed to outmaneuver the Five Star and, and sort of dominate the, uh, the, the, the now collapsed coalition? Mm. Well, I think the, the problem really with the Five Star movement is that it's a, a very amorphous force and one which reflects, you know, it, it claims to speak to uh, not ideology, but common sense. And in that sense, uh, it actually tends to be filled by the particular common sense of the moment. Uh, so while in its earlier phase, it was more sort of uh, probably had more of a kind of anti-austerity edge and uh, was into sort of environmentalist politics and such like, that's really be, been sort of moved off the agenda. And now it's uh, very driven by um, opposition to the kind of so-called migrant business the uh, the N- like what Luigi Di Maio's leader calls the the NGO taxis uh, carrying people across the Mediterranean um, it's it always sort of criticized the Lega more on the grounds of uh, its own leaders sort of co- um, corruption or or, or um, expenses and such like than its uh, sort of reactionary ideas about racism or migrants or even its uh, Thatcherite economic policies. Um, so I think really it's been forced into a position where 
uh, it, it's allied with a much more coherent force, which has been able to impose its stamp on it. Of course, actually, the Lega itself started out more in the guise of an anti-corruption movement than a necessarily hard right one. Uh, it was always sort of, you know, obviously originated as a regional party, and uh, which wanted northern autonomy from the south. So a lot of rhetoric against kind of wasteful public spending, uh, lazy public sector workers, and such like. And the Five Star has itself uh, adopted some of those uh, kind of attitudes, albeit without the uh, the sort of regional. Uh, focus or, or, or animus. Uh, so, I mean, I think really the political void has been filled. Uh, it's instructive, actually, that in the uh, vote among M5S members on the contract, which was uh, dominated by Lega policies like the flat tax and the mass expulsions of immigrants, uh, 94% of the people who voted uh, voted in agreement with the deal. Um, so although the party claims to be transversal, left and right, really it tends to do whatever the latest position of its leaders are uh, because the members don't actually meet or organise. Uh, really, Luigi Di Maio says what the line is and then uh, the atomised membership give their assent on the internet. Um, by comparison, you know, it's only 15, uh, sorry, 16 months since the five-star members voted by 78.5% to join the most liberal and Euro-federalist group in the uh, European Parliament. Um, so I think there's a, a measure of opportunism and slipperiness in the Five Star Movement. Uh, but because Matteo Salvini is the rising force and the Lega is the rising party, uh, it's been able to uh, to hegemonise Five Star because of its own lack of political direction. Do you think they might eclipse the Five Star in the next elections? I mean, they're polling not far behind now, is that, I, I believe. Yeah, certainly. I mean, in the latest polling, the uh, Five Star are 29.5, so down three, and uh, Lega are up 10 on 27.5. Part of the reason for that is while in the run-up to the uh, 4th of March election, uh, it looked like Berlusconi's Forza Italia would be the biggest uh, party within the right-wing coalition, which also includes the Lega. Actually, the Lega turned out slightly ahead, and now the Lega is cannibalizing the Forza Italia uh, vote. So even though Berlusconi's uh, ban from public office has actually been rescinded since the general election, uh, the Lega is t- is uh, winning over its support uh, all over Italy. Uh, as you said, the, the Lega actually didn't stand in southern regions until uh, five years ago. And so we're now seeing in regions where it got literally 0% of the vote in 2013, uh, it going into to high single or even low double figures. Uh, for example, in Rome, it rose from 0.1% to 11% a couple of months ago. So the Lega is, as it rises, is sucking in other uh, right-wing forces, uh, becoming a genuinely national, and indeed Italian nationalist party. Uh, and I think we can also actually see a, a slight movement from the five-star vote towards the Lega, um, while the fact that the the Five Star Movement is very heavily supported among unemployed and young people. Uh, it got about 44% of the vote among under 50s. Um, in a way, it's kind of served as a kind of a gateway drug, uh, often even for former left-wing voters who, it, you know, if they want to vote against the establishment and indeed the EU elites, uh, they may as well vote for the real thing with Matteo Salvini. Uh, rather than the five-star movement. So I, I think the one of the worst aspects of the current situation 
is even the even as the five star movement is exposed as kind of rudderless and willing to sign up to hard right policies we're not actually seeing any movement whatsoever from the five star towards forces to its left uh, not only is the pd the democrats renzi's party not only is that stagnant but the slightly more left-wing group uh, libri e uguali uh, led by former communists, has actually sunk below the level where it would even get into parliament. And the far left Paterio Popolo has risen sort of into, you know, 1.5% rather than 1.1%. But we're not seeing a revival of the left because at the moment it's the uh, outsider parties and particularly the Lega, which are being allowed to uh, protest that they incarnate the popular will and the institutions are ganging up on them and excluding them. So we're seeing a, a very reactionary uh, moment in uh, Italian politics. Yeah, I, I read an article, I think it was in the Independent today, uh, by a spokesperson from Pataria Popolo. And, and uh, you know, it seemed quite impressively robust in its criticism of, of the EU institutions. And it seemed to be suggesting that, you know, this situation where the Lega and, and the Five Stars can just hegemonise all criticism of the EU just has to end at some point if, if, if Italy and even Europe is to have any, any hope at all. Do you think this might be something of a clarifying moment for the left that it might actually force? I mean, certainly, obviously, there's not much to be expected from the Democrats, but from forces further to the left that they might start to take a more critical position on on uh, the euro, at least. Mm. I mean, I think everyone on the kind of radical left and uh, even not particularly radical left can, can certainly see. Uh, there's a problem with what Mattarella has done and they're critical of the kind of use of... So when Mattarella said he wasn't going to allow Savona as uh, economy minister, he kind of invoked loyalty to our European partners, uh, the pressure from the markets and this kind of thing. So it was easy for the left to criticise that and say, no, democracy should come above the markets uh, or even, you know, even though we strongly oppose the Lega and Five Star, they should be allowed to govern. But Apart from that kind of critique of Europe and its role in in sort of uh, thwarting the government, I don't think that there's really a rising critique of the euro itself. Um, I think actually the fact that it- Italy is so dominated by rising reactionary forces has in a way reinforced uh, the kind of hope that some sort of outside force, deus ex machina, is going to stop uh you know, is going to stop the Lega in its tracks. I mean, there's quite a lot of liberal opinion um, saying, you know, in, in solidarity with Mattarella's choice, but even the ANPI, uh, which is the Partisans, uh, you know, the World War II Resistance uh, Partisans Association, an anti-fascist movement, uh, they express their support with, for Mattarella. Uh, of course, they're somewhat linked to the PD, uh, but even the CGIL union, which has uh, split with the PD, also backed uh, Mattarella, and that's the biggest union confederation. Um, I think within Potero Popolo, there's a problem, which is the Rifondazione Comunista, which was the attempt to revive the old Communist Party, which briefly enjoyed support in the 90s, but now is a, a you know quite small party, around 1%. You know, they are totally opposed to quitting the euro. Uh, they just see it as a sort of internationalism is the European Union, and they're sort of intransigent on that score. I mean, in 2014, uh, they stood in, in the uh, a thing called the uh, Another Europe with Cypress uh, list 
for the uh, European elections and they got a uh, uh, MEP elected. Um, so, um, and indeed, even for next time in 2019, when there's European elections, uh, it's likely that some version of that list will stand again. And then there's also another one run by um, Yanis Varoufakis, including the mayor of Naples, Luigi de Magistris, who's one of the most prominent forces on the Italian left. And that's, again, that kind of uh, stay within Europe and reform it kind of argument, but without very clear idea how the reform is actually meant to come about. Um, so I think culturally, the greater part of the Italian radical left isn't uh, prepared to talk about quitting the euro. And even if it did now, you know, there is a, there are certain elements of the far left that do it has a certain aura of kind of tailing uh, Five Star and the Lega all kind of trying to catch up well after those parties have already hegemonised the issue. I think in order to talk seriously about having an economic programme, to talk about reviving Italian democracy, really to have a serious analysis of what just happened, uh, you do indeed have to have a critical approach towards the euro and see that the problem with it isn't just this or that uh, official or who's the head of the Eurogroup. I mean, now they've replaced Jerome Dijsselbloem with a, a minister from the Portuguese left-wing government. It makes no difference. The problem is the fundamental rules on which the euro is based, and in particular, the fact that uh, Italy is borrowing uh, in a, what is effectively a foreign currency and has no ability to use monetary policy. So, I mean, there are demands short of quitting the euro that could be usefully made in terms of debt cancellation or um, relieving uh, budget deficit limits in order to allow public spending. Um, but I think really you have to get to the, the core of the issue, which is that it's a straitjacket. How do you think the a, a situation in which people feel able to to criticise the, um, the euro architecture from the left how do you think that's going to develop, if at all? Um, it's hard to say because the problem is the left is just so scattered and defeated. I mean, it's very hard to see where a revival would come from or what kind of force could actually drive it uh, in the sense that the, the anti-Euro forces tend to be old and small Stalinist parties uh, calling themselves the Communist Party. Um, or else kind of, you know, there's a group called Senso Comune mm. uh, who have some good uh, writers and economists and so on, but it's like a very small group with no profile um, and very heavily based on kind of political scientists in unis in England who want to create something like Podemos in Italy. So um, I just see it very hard to see where anything could come from because also it's just, I mean, it's not like, we could take over five star or a split within it's likely. Yeah, I mean, I think really it's about recognizing the scale of the defeat and how screwed we are and that you can't just sort of hang on to dear life to the existing institutions and establishment in the hope that it's going to make everything go away. I think the educative aspects of the current thing is we're seeing that the center cannot hold and isn't going to be able to hold back the Lager and five star. Um, so it's not like I think like, oh, the reactionary wave will come and that's going to force everyone to rebel. It's more like the 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 institutions will just stand so nakedly exposed that it will just become impossible to talk about defending or reviving them. 
You've been listening to Politics Theory Other. If you like the pod, please do consider rating or reviewing it on iTunes. You can also follow on Facebook and Twitter at Poll Theory Other. Thanks for listening. I'll be back later in the week.